Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Jamie Scrimger podcast. On this episode, I have Sarah Nicole from the Birds Papaya. I'm assuming that you know who Sarah is. But if you have been living under a rock on Instagram for the last little while, Sarah is the inspiring woman behind a phenomenal Instagram feed all about body positivity and growing through massive life change. In this episode, we talk a lot about massive life changes in Sarah's life, including weight loss, body positivity, motherhood, divorce, her experience dating as a single mom, and most recently, her marriage to her husband, Shane. We also touch on how differently stepmoms and stepdads are viewed in our society. Stepdads being viewed as the hero for, quote unquote, taking on a woman and her kids. Well, a stepmom, well, not so much. Before we dive into this episode, I have to say, when Sarah agreed to be on my podcast, we had never met in real life. I just sent her an email and hoped that she would say yes. Well, this weekend, I had a chance to meet Sarah in real life, and we enjoyed a few glasses of wine together. I have to say, she is just as amazing, if not even more, in person as she is online. All right, guys, let's dive in. I know you are going to love this episode. All right. Hey, guys. So I am here with Sarah Nicole, the bird's papaya. Dang right. Oh, yeah. We are hanging out, actually. We are in Toronto. We're in a hotel room. We are in a hotel room. We both have big white beds all to ourselves right now. You have cookie crumbs on yours. I don't mean to podcast shame you right now, but you... I definitely ate some cookies in bed. It was the banana bread I got this oh. morning when we got coffee. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I was like, I'm really hungry. That salad at lunch. Uh, I had like huge intentions to be super healthy at lunch. No. But then, you know, you know, when you do that and you're like, I'm freaking starving. They had beaver tails at lunch and they had pierogi poutine. I don't know how one veers around that. I veered around it, but now I'm regretting it because it was like, that was the buffet. I should have yeah. ate that. <laughs> Anyway, so we are here actually because it is like a blogging, what is it, a blogging conference or a I content think, yeah, creator? Yeah, it's conference? almost like a, it's some sort of a conference of that. I think originally it started as a blogger conference and it's definitely pivoted towards all avenues of social media. There's Instagram and the business end of it, blogging, podcasts. Here All the are. things. Yes. And so Sarah and I are both speaking. Sarah spoke yesterday. She was on a panel all about Instagram and being an influencer and working with brands, I believe. I, yeah. I scrolled. I came, I came yeah, in a little that's, late. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm speaking about digital courses and eBooks and it's a little less exciting, more of the business end of it, but that's tomorrow. I'm kind of jealous of Sarah because she did it first and then yeah, now I'm you done. don't have to worry I'm about just it. chilled. I literally did it and then went and got, had a glass of wine and chilled for the rest of it. Now. I know. And I have, I have to speak tomorrow morning. So anyway, I have Sarah here, guys, because Sarah, I don't know, if you ha are not following Sarah on Instagram right now, pause this thing and head on over and click follow because she, how do I even wrap you up? Like, how do I even introduce you? Like you I are such a raw and real authentic feed that when you, your captions 
literally give me chills. I appreciate you saying that. I think it was only within the last few months that I've really understood that I'm a writer and that writing is like what I, I, I never really could say that before. You know, people always downgrade it like, oh, I'm an Instagrammer. Oh, I'm a vlogger. But like actually to understand that I'm a writer. You are was, so much was crazy. So yeah, I've really kind of, I've leaned into it now. I'm, I'm embracing that. I'm owning it. So yeah. yeah. And to be honest, typically I'll scroll through Instagram and if it's like a big long thing, I'm like, ah, I like the picture, but I literally read yours because you know, they, they hit me in the soul. So you know what? I'm, I'm, I was going to try to do a little intro and like what your feed is all about, but I'm like, how did you get here? Like, how did you build this phenomenal community on Instagram? Okay. So I'm going to sum this up as briefly as I can, because I hope that you guys will take a moment and kind of come over and like get to know me because it's hard to kind of put it into like a little bit of a, a capsule. But 10 years ago, I was a blogger. I was a stay at home mom. And I kind of found my voice by blogging and, and having some sort of a creative outlet outside of what I felt was my igloo of a home, right? I felt like very apart from everything else. So it was a nice way to kind of find that online community. And I loved it. Then spun into a online jewelry shop, which was an Etsy shop. I named it after my two daughters at the time because I was making jewelry for them. They had very sensitive ears. And so I decided to make jewelry and I named the shop after their two nicknames in the shop it's called the Birds Papaya. So that's how that all came about. And uh, I ended up having a son, but the name just stuck with me and came into the Instagram realm, just kind of just sharing like everybody else did. It was like the beginning of Instagram, shared pictures of our kids with these weird blue filters on them and did whatever we wanted to do. And I shared some stuff from my Etsy shop and different little things. There wasn't a lot of me in it. If there was me in it, it was a selfie and that's pretty much it. But I had just moved home to my hometown and there was a bit of a light bulb series of moments where I realized that I was really, really unhealthy. All this time living away from home, I had created some really bad habits. I was struggling with food addiction. I was very overweight. I was not very engaged with my kids. I was struggling with chronic fatigue. I had some major gut issues. There was just like a lot. I was just unhealthy and I was like 28 and it was insane to kind of have all these things. So I started to just take care of myself and I didn't really know what that looked like. I think when anybody starts some sort of a health journey, everybody wants an answer or a program or something to adhere to. And I didn't really have those capabilities. So I just did what I could and I started paying attention to what I was eating and started exercising, which was incredibly new for me. I'm like a high school gym dropout, like not a fan. I, to sum that whole thing up, I ended up losing a hundred pounds. And a big wow. part of that was shared on my Instagram, which kind of catapulted me a little bit. Definitely grew a following of people being like, what's your magic? Like, what's your thing? I was very inspired by other people on Instagram who kind of came alongside me. People like Bikini Body Mummy, who is such an advocate for real body workouts and just like stuff at home. And I, I loved her whole messaging. Just aligned myself with some really like cool people. But I was struggling greatly in a lot of aspects of my life. And even though my Instagram was, you know, looking perfect, I was really struggling. I ended up going through a divorce. I left my husband of 11 years and moved in with my parents with my three kids when I was 30. And uh, then really started a, a whole other leg of the journey, which kind of is all journaled throughout my Instagram. And and it's hard for me to go back and delete anything from the past that I could feel is a little bit more contrived. I like leaving it there. I, I like just kind of journeying through that. But 
I realized how unhappy I was with my body and myself and this constant need to perfect myself after I'd lost all this weight and I was now 114 pounds, which was very underweight for my height. And so throughout that whole process, I started the next leg of the journey, which was really self-love and started sharing some of the things that weren't perfect about me and finding my community there, finding that there was a lot of people who were feeling very alone in their bodies, in their stretch marks, in their cellulite, in their little muffin tops that just would never go away, which by the way, like I lost a hundred pounds and still got that little bit of a muffin top on a top of jeans. And I was like, well, I just need to lose another five pounds and it'll be gone. It, it was never going to be gone. That's how my body was created and how it's shaped, been shaped and reshaped by kids and life. So I've pivoted a lot. I like to share a lot more reality and a lot more grit to life. I think I was so exhausted by perfection that coming through that And now just getting to speak on a totally different level to people in a way that I hope will transform how they look at themselves, how they feel about themselves, how they treat their health journeys or how they look at weight loss. And just having like those everyday conversations that were kind of sitting in the background of my head that I finally therapeutically wrote out onto a bunch of squares and captions on Instagram. Oh, I love it. I love that story. And So when you write your captions, when you say like they are deep and they are real and they are raw. And I know for me, I talk a lot about, you know, my personal struggles in step parenting and, you know, my relationship and just any, all those transformations in my life. And sometimes I'm like, whoa, I am sharing way too much information with the world. And I kind of feel like I'm going to barf every time I press post, but then it's those posts that do so well. And everyone flocks to it's like, do you ever feel just very, like you're standing there naked? Well, actually, some of your pictures, you are in your underwear. I'm so. 100% and I'm a little bit naked. I, you are actually <laughs> naked. I'm talking like yeah. symbolically here. Yeah, no. Um, I've learned something about Instagram that when I feel a little bit nervous or like that bit of a knot in my stomach, I know it's important. And that's when you click share. And I I really just like grab the bull by the horns on that. If I'm uncomfortable with it, that means I'm going to be doing something that's important for somebody else. And I kind of said that the other day, like it's not about if it's easy or hard, is, is it important? And it's not easy to share your vulnerable sides. It would be really nice for me to just have let everyone believe that I was completely perfect underneath my clothes. But it wasn't ever going to help anybody when they were looking past the mirror and or saw somebody like me and thought like I, they had everything perfect and everything was all together or that they saw themselves as so imperfect. I realized that, you know, I had, I had an ability and a growing voice and a platform that if I could start generating different mindsets for people, even if it made me incredibly uncomfortable, even if I'm literally standing there in my underwear to do it, I was going to do it. Totally. And, you know, I feel like, you know, when you're building this online community, you it almost becomes what I feel is a responsibility that you have the ability to influence these people and let them know that the world isn't perfect, that everyone is struggling. So when you do have these big communities and you're acting like everything's all perfect, I feel like there's really no meaning behind it. Do you get I what know, I mean? You just it's feel true. like I just saw a star is born and I'm a little obsessed, but there's this one line in it and I'm totally misquoting it, I'm sure, but it basically what he's saying is like, you have a voice. What is it that you want to say to the world? And it's so easy to put up a pretty picture. It's so easy to have these like very curated looking things, but is that going to change anything? Or is it just, are you looking for validation? Are you looking for more acceptance? Like what is the root cause of why you want to do stuff? And I still love a good, pretty picture. I have a way of making like raw and real photos all of a sudden so beautiful and it looks curated, but it's so like, it's just such a great 
combination. Yeah. I, I really, I've grown to appreciate, I think when a lot of people think of like real Instagrams, you think like they have to just still be, you know, like a gritty phone photo or something like that. And that's not what it's about. It's like showing those vulnerable sides in such a beautiful way. I think a lot more brands are picking up on it. I think a lot more photographers are picking up on it. We're stopping the Photoshop and we're starting to become like a little bit in love with all the different angles of beauty, which are in the cellulite and they are in the little muffin tops. They're in stretch marks and they're in like boobs that have breastfed three kids. Like they are, it is changing and we are craving it. Like society's craving it. I don't think the world is the same way it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And I don't think it should be. If you look at every single generation, there's different expectations on a woman and a woman's body. And I think that right now we're pivoting into what if we just kind of took that back a little bit? Like what if we kind of just didn't hold to a specific standard and we allowed ourselves to all be our best selves and whatever we choose to have, like let that be, whether you want to be a fitness competitor or whether you want to be somebody who like owns their curves and loves them and doesn't feel like this constant pressure to lose weight all the time or have abs or all these different things. Like there's, there's, or even don't love them, accept them. Yeah. Why not? It is what it is. You can't like, there's so many things that we just can't do anything about. Like I have these, I have this whopping torso and these short little legs and I have just accepted that that is how I am proportioned. Right. I know. And and it's funny because you hear girls talk about themselves and they're like, oh, my legs are so short and I have this, I'm so tall and like this and this instead of being like, I have the, like, I have a killer torso. Like it is amazing. I do and have it makes a killer that, like, torso. Right. But like <laughs> you start to be, you know, I was really bothered by my cellulite. It's a little bit more pronounced because I did lose so much weight. There are certain things like loose skin and stretch marks and stuff that comes from weight loss. I look great in clothes, but I had a struggle. I didn't even address the mirror. And I think coming back to it, I was like, you know, I was at this photo shoot. It was for Nick's wear and we were all in our underwear, obviously. And one of the models, she was like a professional model, had like this bit of cellulite on her butt. And I was just like, man, that's so cool to see. Like I was just, I was so intimidated by the fact that there was like professional models there. There were people, like one girl had twins and she had like pretty much had abs, but it was all, it wasn't, that's not what I was drawn to that day. It wasn't all the things that were perfect about them. I was starting to really see the beauty in all these so-called flaws and imperfections. And so when I started to pay attention to that on other people, I realized that I could start feeling that for myself. And sometimes I think that that's why it's so important to share some of those like real Instagrams, because when people can't see something beautiful in themselves, but they can see it in somebody else, it starts to change their mindset and that conversation. And I think it's really cool when you find somebody online that you're like, holy crap, they're gorgeous. And the cellulite kind of adds to that. Like that's what kind of drew me into this photo or man, stretch marks are actually a pretty powerful thing that a woman can wear in it. And it, marks an incredible story and it's proof of some really amazing things, whether it's, you know, the growth that you went through, whether it was a pregnancy, whether it was losing weight, whatever it signified, it's part of like your journey of your body. And there's, it's to be celebrated, not to be shamed. Totally. And, you know, I talk a lot about not so much like my physical struggles, but you know, my emotional struggles and the things that I've gone through. And it's like, I think it's Rachel Hollis. She says like, what if life isn't happening to you? What if it's happening for you? Right. And all of this, totally. isn't that like, yeah, actually powerful. the first time I heard that quote, I was like, uh, I try I had to wrap my head around it. Cause I was a little confused at first, but then when right. I got it, I was literally walking, doing a power walk down our, you know, small town road. And it hit me. I'm like, holy shit. Like all of the things that happened to me in my life 
have got me to this point and have made me the person that I am. If those shitty things haven't happened, then I wouldn't be here. And it's the same for you, right? Like if you wouldn't have, you know, needed that transformation or felt that need to change, what would your life be like? hundred percent. And, and even if that originally my change came was stemmed from self-hate, like I can't lie about that. I, it was, I didn't like who I was. I wanted to change it. But it was coming through that and changing all of it and being like, oh, I still don't like myself. Okay, back to square one. Let's let's get to the root of this issue. But I so agree with you because in life as a whole, and I think you and I kind of talked a little bit about this, was it's really hard to appreciate all the good if you've never had anything bad. I can't imagine sometimes when I look at my life, I feel a little bit guilty now because it's actually good. And I was so used to being a little bit of a have not and kind of being, you know, I was the chubby girl and then I was in, you know, not so great a marriage. And then I was like this poor single mom and all these things. And now I, I kind of transitioned to an entirely different life where I'm finding success and I'm finding it for myself and I'm feeling beautiful and I'm feeling so accepted and so loved. And I have an amazing family base and I have an incredible now new husband. Right. And that is actually a nice segue. That was yeah, really like good. Need, I realized when I did my summary, I was like, ooh, should have mentioned that part of the that story. That was a really good segue because that is the reason why, well, obviously I wanted to talk to you for so many reasons, but that was the number one reason I wanted to talk to you because you just had a huge transition. You are now married. So you went from single mom of three. Yeah, I did. And you are married. I'm married and I did not uh, expect that. I think when I went into single motherhood, I was, I pretty much realized that there was an impossible leg of the journey coming up in terms of dating because I was either going to find somebody who didn't want kids, who already had kids, and I have three kids, or find somebody who wanted kids, or that fourth option, which is maybe just was chill and didn't need anything at all and was okay with whatever happened. And so I really thought that I was just going to ride this. I, I honestly was very happy being on my own. It was a struggle, of course. Like, I think it's nice to have a partner that you share things with, but I felt so empowered being a mom on my own. I really loved that season with them. I I felt so powerful. I, I loved the title single mom. Like I thought I'd be so ashamed of it. And it made me feel like so powerful. I loved the hustle that it kind of gave me and that fire under my butt that I'm like, no, I've got kids to feed and like mouths to fill like every day and I got bills to pay. Like there was a hustle and there was a lot to that, that I absolutely adored. But then I met this guy and, and he didn't have kids. He'd been married before, didn't have kids, loved kids, didn't need them himself, but isn't against it. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. You got to make a choice, buddy. What do you want? Yeah. But also it was just, it, it put it back on me that it didn't need to be anything. And he was just kind of was able to come into our lives without this pressure to create a new one necessarily. Or think about what's next, right? It was, there's a, it's a zero pressure situation. Totally. And cause you know, the opposite is for me. So when I started dating my husband, I literally knew I was going to marry him in two weeks. Like it was just like, and you know, I I remember listening to a podcast that you were on, I think Caitlin Bristow. Yeah. And you were saying that when you saw your now husband for the first time, you didn't like, it was like, this guy's going to be an important person in my life. That's exactly like, it was just this guy. Oh, that guy's, that guy's important. And I didn't know what that meant. And I just, I let that kind of sit there and just, we became really close friends, but there was, there was a bizarre factor to it that we knew that we knew was there. And, uh, there was not a lot of guesswork there. So, and maybe that's why the kid factor wasn't really a thing because 
you guys were going to be together no matter what. We were going to be together. Like it was, but it scared the crap out of me a little bit. Like, of course, like what if my kids hated him? What if I had to make a choice? Like all these different elements of dating with kids. Totally. Cause you know, I said to my husband, we're so after like that two weeks, I think it was maybe we had been together for a month. Like this is very new. And I remember lying on the bed and looking at him and just saying, you know, Cause he is, so he's 46 now. So we have a 13 year age difference. So he had done the three kids thing. He had, you know, done the divorce thing. Like my youngest stepson was five at the time. So he was kind of out of that stage. And I looked at him and I said, you know, you've done things in life that I want to do. Yeah. So we need to kind of have that conversation now. I just don't want to waste anyone's time. Cause part of me was like, if we're going to have a baby, like you, like you're old, <laughs> like we gotta yeah. get moving. I know guys don't have the same pressure we do though. Do they? No, totally. But I also didn't want to be like, you know, with a four-year-old on my hip, like putting him at home or something. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I know they can, but I know, at some true. point, but yeah. So talk to me about dating with dating someone with kids. So we definitely knew that we were going to be together, but we didn't really make anything too, too official. It was kind of just us hanging out a little bit, but you know, the kid factor was kind of huge. So very off the bat, we started hanging out in a group. And of course, as life happens, and as we've always kind of known in terms of life kind of finding a way, the kids gravitated right to him. Even though we were in a group setting, they were right to him. There was a magnetic pull between them and he was like, man, they're awesome. And I was like, thank you. I think when he walked into my house, my son shot him with the Nerf gun and my daughter told him that he had a juicy butt. And I was like, this could not be going worse. But he (laughs) was just, I walked into the room at one point and he was playing a video game with my son. And I just like felt myself swallowing like tears away. I couldn't believe, oh, frick, I'm getting like teary right now. I couldn't believe like witnessing such a bond between two people that didn't know each other yet was so strong, like magnetic, like truly magnetic that it was like, okay, like this is family. Like this is what it's meant to be. And there was a choice there too. And I realized there was a lot of pressure on him, right? Like we're in a relationship. Now you've met my kids. They're falling in love with you. And secondary breakups are way harder on kids than anything else. Because if you get a divorce and you have kids, you both see them still. If you break up and they're not a parent, it's hard to kind of create that relationship ongoing. I know. And that's actually one of my biggest fears. I always say to my husband, I'm like, what happens if something happens to you? Like I not only lose you, but I lose these three people who have become the most important people in my life. Like I I won't be getting them on a week on week off basis. Exactly. Like, Like, am I just done? Cause you, as a step parent, you don't have those legal rights, right? You are just kind of out. I know. And and it wasn't even, I know it was a, it was more of a concern of mine, I think, but I didn't really say anything. And I remember one night we were all hanging out and I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go take the kids up to bed. And he's like, okay. And they all kind of scurried upstairs and I was the last one following behind. And Shane kind of quietly said, I love them, you know? And I was like, what? And I kind of whipped around and I was like, what? And he's like, I really, he's like, I know I love you, but like, I really love them. And he's like, and I just want you to know that like, if anything happens, like I'm not going anywhere. Like I will continue the relationship with them if that's, if that's okay with you. So I don't want that to be an issue or something you worry about. And I was like, how the hell did he know I was even worrying about that? But it also took a lot of pressure off the relationship coming out of like a marriage where I kind of felt stuck. There was part of me that's like, oh crap, what if the kids love him? What if everybody loves him? And I suddenly am like, 
oh no, like I want out and I don't feel like I can. He freed me in that moment to come back anchoring into my choice to be with him or to not. And it just reaffirmed everything, of course, that I was just like, oh, like we're in this, that like, this is us. But oh my God, I just love Shane. Oh, <laughs> I've never met him. Like, I'm just like hearing the story. I'm like, I just love him. And every single time I'm like, try and get him to like talk about like he'll say things and I'll be like let's like let's like build on that like tell me more tell me all the things because I love when he has such a good like soulful side but it comes out in like these little blips and I'm like but tell me tell me more like I'm always trying to draw it out but he says it in such powerful moments but it's honestly in his actions more than anything and and how he really did take to the kids like I I'm not kidding when I say like when we're home as a family sometimes I forget get that he's not their dad. And we have such a respect for like the fact that they still have a relationship with their own father, but it doesn't really feel like he is like a stepdad. It just feels like we have multiple family units and there's a bit of a village raising these kids. And I love that. I love that they have just more humans to love on them. This podcast is brought to you by my ebook, 101 Ways to Be a Kick-Ass Stepmom. From how to navigate your relationship with your husband's ex-wife, to how to stop feeling insecure about being the second wife, to what to say when your stepkids say, I don't have to listen to you, you're not my mom, to how to introduce an R's baby into your blended family crew, to how to minimize conflict even when the ex seems to thrive off it, to how to get on the same page with your husband about all the things, and so much more. This ebook shares my top 101 tips, strategies, and mindset shifts for stepmoms who are ready to live a kick-ass life. To check it out, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash ebook. You know, for the longest time, I was like feeling guilty about so many things, like feeling guilty that I felt like, you know, my stepchildren, I looked at them as my own. I felt guilty that we were doing all these things together. And maybe, you know, they weren't experiencing that with their mom or vice versa. Like just so much guilt around the dynamic, right? Oh, I can see that. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no. And, you know, uh, just back up a bit. I also would feel guilty when we would do things with my daughter, like my, because my husband and I have a daughter together without them, right? You know, if we would go away for the weekend and they were with their mom or, or whatever. But then it's like, there's this concept of subfamilies and it's literally changed the way I looked at everything to do with step family dynamics. So it's like, you know, you, Shane and the kids, you guys are a family and, you know, but you and the kids are also a unit within that family. And then they have another family, right? Like it doesn't make, you know, just because you have those extra people in your life, doesn't mean that someone's overstepping. There's so much love to go around and you can just add to the kids' lives. Like a lot of stepmoms will think, you know, they will view, you know, the kid's mom as a threat or vice versa. And it's like, no, I know for me, there's things that I'm really good at and I'm in like the relationship that we have. And maybe they don't have that same dynamic with their mom in some ways, but then there's things that she's really good at that I'm not good at. Like there's just like, Oh, yeah. So much love to go around. Like we can all like feed off of each other and just raise kick-ass kids. It really is a village. And and it's funny because like Shane even coming into it, I'm not kidding. He does the homework with the kids because I'm so bad at it. I'm always like, if you're not learning it in school, like I'm not doing it for you. Like ask somebody else. Like that's your responsibility. And I don't know like, anything past grade three math. Like, no. And Shane like sits there at night and like does all the schoolwork. And he loves having like those different roles and stuff like that. And it doesn't feel contrived. Like it's a very natural thing for them. But it's funny that you said that about feeling guilt about having your own child, because that was one of the points that Shane brought up. He's like, what? He's like, I don't, I don't know that we should have a kid because what about them? Like what, what happens when we do something and they come home and they're like, wait, what? Like you guys went to the movies or you did this? Like, 
just that that guilt of yeah it's like an open dialogue that we get to be with all the time and that they don't get to be with all the time but yeah I mean ongoing conversation your life doesn't like we always say like you know when you go to your mom's you get to do so many great things right so say they go on a trip to even you know down south or something Reese isn't going to get to go and all of her brothers and sisters get to go too right so it goes both ways so we're really open about saying you know your life doesn't stop we can't just sit here and stare at the wall until you come back. So it's about kind of finding that balance too yeah. and the, having that open conversation. I love but that. But it's tricky to navigate. It definitely is. I think it's creating emotional maturity in children though. And it's not in a way that's pressurizing them through things, but we kind of do this thing as parents where we overly protect them in a lot of ways. We don't want them to experience too much of the big things in life. And then they come into the big things in life and they have to kind of grow through that. And I think that my kids, especially maybe not my kids, especially, but they were so happy through the whole process. Like I didn't really see them go through a lot of like devastation. There's been like curves where they're like, I don't want to leave you. Or there's been those moments. But when I look back, like even when I tried to go to the grocery store by myself, they had those same moments back on, like I was married and we were all like a single unit. So I don't know. There's a lot to be said for the fact that the kids have really grown in their own individuality. I've seen my kids kind of band together. My son used to be very codependent with me and I've seen him really bond to his sisters now. And I'm all upset about it because I watch them and I'm like, thank goodness. Like he feels like he can have that. Like they have a strong relationship together and a togetherness that they have now that I don't think would have been as strong or as present had we not gone through some of these things. So I know it's not the ideal thing for kids to go through anything like that. And I'm not encouraging that. It's more in the sense that they just, they grew some major wings and major emotional maturity and learned a lot of life lessons through all of this, just in accepting people and like what it is to have a loving home and just some of their key choices that I hope will influence them later on in life. Totally. But I think that also speaks to the way that the parents deal with things, right? You know, they had a mom who was a rock and who was really always like acting in their best interest and considering, you know, their experience throughout the whole thing. And that's, that's the thing, right? I think a lot of parents in these situations don't realize just how much the way they navigate their way through their divorce or through their dating process or through like step family life can impact their kids. Completely agree. And I was kind of lucky in the sense of, so we, we obviously knew that we were going to likely date, but there was also this group dating time. So group and dating, like, okay, what is group dating? I mean, in the sense, like I, we went out as like friends and coworkers and like brought the kids oh, out okay. with us. So I think we went bowling and like my best friend Ariana was there okay. and then Shane was there and we were like in a group. It wasn't like we were on a date with kids. It was a little bit different. So they were all of a sudden like trying to match make me big time. So they wanted us to be together. Love so it. I never came home and said like, guys, I want you to, I'm going to introduce you to like my boyfriend. They were like, please date my mom. Like, please date. Can you please date my mom? Like this is, it was very much like they felt like it was their idea. We, we knew, but they really were the ones backing the entire thing and like kind of that's fire so, starting it a little so bit amazing. too. Yeah. My daughter's like fully blown believes she's the matchmaker for us. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the question I've really been dying to ask, because, you know, when I am, you know, looking at your feed and you're talking about, you know, Shane in the comments below, it's like, do you think the way that stepmoms and stepdads in society, like the way that it's viewed is entirely different. Like I look at those comments and everyone- Disney character that everyone knows all too well. Totally, totally. And it's like when the stepdad comes in, the way, you know, everyone views them is they're the hero right? They're the hero who's come in and taken on this woman with kids and like what, you know, an admirable thing to do to, 
And it's just, you know, such a different dynamic because people always say to me, do you think that stepdads like have these same struggles? Do they overanalyze things the way that we do? And I'm like, it's so different. It's not even close to being the same. And maybe it's because women are a little bit more jealous by nature and it has that little bit of a competitive undertone, even though there doesn't really need to be that there. But for men, yeah, like when we were dating, so many people would be like, what a stand-up guy. Like how amazing is this guy for like taking on a woman with like kids, like taking on that baggage and like really owning it. Everyone's very well-intentioned when they say that. But he came home one day and he's like, you know, I was he was at a Super Bowl party or something and somebody had had said to him, like, what you're doing is like incredible. Like you're a really stand up guy for like taking on all that. And Shane's like, and it was weird because I just felt like, I don't, I feel like I'm the lucky one. I feel like I'm so fortunate that I got not only like this amazing woman to date, or I don't even know what he said. I probably putting words in his mouth now, but he gets me, but he gets, he's like, I get these like three awesome kids too, that I love hanging out with. He's like, I've gotten so much out of this. Like, I don't, I don't see it as that I'm doing something stand up. I feel like I'm just doing what we, I was meant to be doing. And it was a really neat perspective to hear that from him, because I think I always felt a little bit, you know, when your kids like puke or like something happens, you got slime on some bedding and carpet. And I was just like, Oh, the slime. You feel like it's my kids. Like, Oh crap. Like, sorry, Shane. Like I felt like I was now me and the kids and there's Shane. And he kind of took those walls away and was like, no, like we're still a unit. We're still an us. I, I, it was more my guilt and my need to this, like feeling like we were baggage instead of feeling like we were a unit that should be like such a cool care package. Right. So we actually had this one girl, she's an influencer. I love her. Jody Black. She is such a cool human, but we met her doing an event here in Toronto and we were talking about how we were getting married this summer and stuff like that. And I said about how I have kids and she looked at him. She's like, oh my gosh, how lucky are you? You're not only getting a wife, but you're getting three kids. Oh my God. I love it. I looked at her and I was like, nobody has ever. And Shane and I both were kind of taken aback. We're like, nobody has ever said that to us. And her husband starts to laugh and he's like, yeah, like even when like she met me, she was like, oh, wouldn't it have been cool if you had had kids? Like I would have loved to have like, just like that idea and that notion that I hope we come into more in the future where wouldn't it be cool? Because I didn't even have that. Honestly, I was in going into the dating world being like, I don't want anybody who has kids. I have three kids. I got a lot going on. I don't want any more going on. That was my mindset. And I was the single mom. So I can't imagine like we need to change these conversations because sometimes I look at it and I was like, okay, had Shane had kids, would that have been a deal breaker for me? Like, I would hope not, but I kind of no, had to But it would have made things it. a whole lot more complicated, right? When of you have, when you're blending two families, it's absolutely more complicated. But I would hope that I would have been like, oh my gosh, I get to take on little mini Shanes. Like, yeah, no, this totally. Is cool. But you know, to, to go back to what you're saying about like the hero thing, like how, you know, great he is. No one says like, so when a stepmom starts dating a man with kids or marries a man with kids, ultimately, you probably meet him a decade later and you're still a homewrecker. Well, it's like you're <laughs> home. Yeah. You're a home wrecker. Or, you know, I always say like when you're a stepmom, you are damned. If you do, you're damned. If you don't. So if you're like too involved, it's like, you need to back up and you need to, you know, respect your place and know, you know, what your place is and respect the role that their mom has. And then if you're not involved enough, it's like, are you not taking your role seriously? Like, are you not taking this serious as a parent? Do you resent the kids? There's like this assumption Mm -hmm. that, 
you have this begrudge against the kids and that you wish they weren't around when it's like, no, I would, I wanted the kids there. I loved when they were there. Yeah. There was a huge transition. Cause I was like 26 yeah. years old, zero to three kids was a bit of a transition. Of course. But I loved when they were there because yeah. our house was full. There's a different energy when kids are in the house. And as oh, much yeah. as it's like quiet and you get like, I always love it for about 10 minutes. And then I'm just like, mm, I miss it. Like I, I miss know. the disaster. I miss the chaos. Like I really do enjoy that. But I actually was, I was following along on a commentary online one day where this woman was talking, she was a stepmom position and she was coming into this situation where she was married. And I guess her husband had like a toddler who was just learning to speak and called her mom and started calling her mom, but also calls his mom, mom. He just saw it as like, these are the women that love me, mom. And she was like, I don't know what to do because the other mom is like so hurt by this and so upset. And we're trying to like redirect the child to like not call me mom. And it kind of broke my heart a little bit just because I was like, it's, that's a lot of pressure on the kid. That's a lot of pressure on the kid who just is looking at different women who love him and calling them a name. And there's part of me that really hopes that my kids one day get these relationships with another woman where there's probably going to be a lot that I can offer my kids. And there's going to be a lot of things that I can't. And if another woman comes into their life and is anything of a mom to them and they choose to call her a mom as well, it doesn't replace me. It doesn't replace my role. I mean, my kids call Shane, Shane there. Yeah. We, and you know, I think that's so admirable of you because honestly, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't think that I would really like my daughter calling another woman mom. But I think that come, that's probably from my own insecurities and my own, yeah. you know, territory, I guess. Of like course. feeling like territorial. Because nothing takes away the ability of you actually being a mom. But it just, I don't know. We look at things so often. I mean, sometimes I look at my kids. And when I was, especially when I was a single mom, I had to take a step back in their life. And I was working two jobs. And my own mother was pretty much raising them. And they defaulted to her. I would, st- I'd be standing in the room and they'd be like, Nana, can I have this? And I'm like, I'm literally right here. Like I'm your mother. But I was like, no, I need to, this is the season we're in. And the caretaker, it, it is who it is. And it's who the kids are comfortable and defaulting to. There's too much pressure on them to like get it right. And we've actually had a couple incidents that I won't really touch on, but where they kind of got it wrong and they said like the wrong word or whatever. And I kind of like to depressurize as much as possible. They're already transitioning through a lot of things in life, a lot's going on. And I want them to just be able to own whatever relationships they're building with adults that come in and love them in their life. Not worry so much about how I feel, how he feels, how anybody feels. Not their problem. Our emotions are not your responsibility. Absolutely. So I kind of am, am trying to empower that as much as possible. My kids are a little bit older, so I'm lucky enough to have those conversations with them. But I can't speak for all sides there, but that's that's definitely my angle. I want them to feel very loved and be able to give love back without feeling. If they have a stepmom in their life and they're like, I love her, like all this stuff, I don't want to feel like crap about it. I want to be like, thank you for not hating whoever's in your life because everyone forgets that's the other side. You could have a kid that's really struggling to like their step-parent. The best case scenario was that they love them. Totally, because you know what? when you hate someone or you're having, you know, issues with someone in in your house. And, you know, there's been times with my stepchildren that's like, we just have tension just because they're going through that stage in their life and parenting and, you know, parenting's not always all hurts and sparkles. But I've even said that I can't imagine that that'd be one day, but what it would be like to live with that tension every single day. You know what I mean? Like that is just not a a great way to be raised and a great way to live. A lot of kids, I feel like they don't like their step parent because they think that's what their other parent wants. It's like they feel afraid 
to develop that a relationship or go and give like that it's hug. A betrayal. It's a betrayal. And I think that parents need to really, really stop and put themselves in their kids and their stepkids' shoes and think about what it's like for them to navigate this, right? Because they pick up on the tension. They know what's going on. Oh gosh. I had, when I was in my late teens, I had a mentor who was in her late twenties and my mom was a young mom. So she was probably like in her forties at that point. And I remember like she had like a couple jealous moments that I started to default to this mentor to talk to about things. But then at the end of the day, one time she said to me, she goes, I am just so thankful that you had Debbie in your life because I don't know that I could have done for you what she did to you because there was a different type of relationship in where she wasn't my mother. And I could come to her with things that maybe I was too embarrassed to come to my own mother with. Now I'm a lot past that. I tell my mom everything, but at that time and in that season, I was like, yes, like, you know, she was this other kind of not a parent, but another really big influence that I was defaulting to. I mean, I think the one point that my mom was actually sad about was when I told my mentor that I was pregnant before I told my family. But my reasoning in that is I was just very scared. I was a very scared pregnant girl. And I wanted to tell somebody that I knew would deescalate how I was feeling. And, and I know telling my that mom, conversation, it yeah. would have been instantaneous love for that child. And I was so scared of like, what, what if something goes wrong? I don't want to break my mom's heart. That was where I was coming from. But all these years later, it's so funny to hear my mom reflect back now and talk about how she really admired the relationship that I had with Deb and that it was things that she couldn't do and and conversations that she couldn't have with me. And I was able to find that with somebody. And I think that that's kind of, when I look back, if I, if I take that same thing and I apply that to whoever my kids are meeting, as long as I think that they're a loving, it's a loving experience and a good influence, I want them to have it. Oh my God. I love it. Okay. I could talk to you all day, but we have to, I think we've gone long. We're going to wrap. Really? I don't know how oh, far wow. we are. Yeah. You know what? I could, oh my gosh. It's such a good chat about this. I'm such a talker though. I could talk about life forever. I love when people want to talk life with me. I'm I like, love talking about life too. And I love talk talking about, about our challenges <laughs> and like getting deep and just how it's brought us to where we are now. Because you know what I mean? If you really think about it, if you hadn't gone through what you've gone through, you wouldn't be here speaking at this conference. If I oh, hadn't no, gone through what I've gone through, I wouldn't be here either, right? Like we, you know, the things we go through get us to where we're at now. I so agree. And it's, and it's funny because I think when we grow up, we always think that our life is going to be like this perfect storybook and that things happen in such a progressional line. And now that I'm at the point in my life now where I realize that everything's kind of in chapters, sometimes friendships are just a chapter and sometimes relationships are just a chapter and sometimes really hard times are a chapter. And sometimes you go back and you read the book and you realize that those chapters are harder to read and they're harder to look at, but they make the story so much more full of life. And they also make the final chapters so much more renewed and stronger than they were in the beginning. You are so refined through your experiences. And to be honest with you, even though I kind of used to have this like cookie cutter life, I'm so much more in love with having a bit of a messier story because it actually really empowered my own voice through it and really took away a lot of the judgments that I felt towards different people in different situations. And it's a very humbling experience. Totally. And think about how many people you've helped and empowered and, you know, inspired from all of the stuff that you went through. I hope, you know, and that's kind of the thing is, like I said, I was a bit of a have not. I had a lot of like dark years. I struggled with a lot of depression and post-traumatic stress. And 
being overweight and being really unhealthy. And and sometimes it's nice to be able to come through it and turn around and just like help the next girl through the door, right? Like just help the next person understand that it's not, Hey, look what I did. It's, there is another side to this and I want you to experience it. I don't want you to live in whatever it is you're feeling, but you got to choose it too. Yeah. And you know, I was just literally thinking that in my head is you have to make the choice to change. Like if you don't like the life that you have right now, you need to change it. You can't sit around complaining or mulling in your struggles and, you know, sitting there thinking about all the things that everyone else has. Like you have a choice on how you deal with your struggles and And you can let them define you or you can let them inspire you to move to a way better spot. And that is on you. Like whatever your struggle is, that is on you. And, and I'm not and talking to you. That, I'm talking no, to people I know, listening. <laughs> no, I know. And I think that there's a lot of um, pressure to do things in a certain timeline. And a lot of people will come to me and be like, how did you get the courage to like leave your marriage? Or how did you get the courage to like go home and like basically decimate your life and rebuild it? And I always tell people, I said the words, I want a divorce. And three years later, I walked out the door. There's a lot that goes on in the in-between. It's like one day at a time. Like and it so literally it seems is. like everyone just hears about it on this one side and they're like, well, what happened? And they think it's all in one day, but there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of stories that are going on and there's a lot that you don't know. I'd ever really share why my marriage ended. And that's something that I'm holding because I have little hearts to protect and that's okay. It's okay to not answer everybody's questions about it, but it also, wasn't a singular day and a singular moment in which I just walked out of the house and never looked back. And I don't believe that anybody completely decimates their life and flatlines everything they've built to create an entirely new foundation and rebuild unless they really need to do it. But the rebuild is always better. You you learn all the cracks yeah. of the walls you, of the first house. So you know exactly how to build. Totally. Second. That reminds me, I would say like my husband, like I get a better version of him because of what he went through, right? We're fine. Life refines yeah. us, you know, crap happens and we can grow through it. Like you just said, you can grow through it or you can like let it kind of cripple you. So might as well grow through it. Let it empower you. Well, yeah, because I feel like it's a long life sitting there being mad all the time or feeling like the victim. Like you have the ability to make the change. Yeah. I so agree. But, but it's not easy, right? No, and, gosh, no. And I think that, you know, when you have this online platform and people will be like, oh, you know, she transformed her life. Like, look how easy it is. Or, you know, I even had someone on my Facebook the other day, just a little raw about it, just saying like, oh, your life is just so perfect. You don't have any step family struggles. I'm like, excuse me? Do you want to rewind a bit and go back? Like, yeah. my struggles got me to this place, yes. right? And you just it, dealt with them. I just dealt with them and I dealt with them in a very deliberate way. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't always all hearts and sparks. Well, it's still not hearts and sparkles, but it wasn't an easy journey. No. Right. And I think that's what people need to remember. If they want change in their life, like you got to buckle up. You're going to have really bad days. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have like times when you go through your day feeling like you're going to cry. Oh, but it's humbling. You, you have got to do yourself. the work, but it's not like if you want change, it's not, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be so worth it. Oh, I agree. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it is, it is not easy, but it, yeah, definitely it's worth it. Awesome. Worth it. Okay. Thank you so much, Sarah. Like this talk was so good. I can't wait to hear it back. I'm just going to, I'm going to listen to it (laughs) even though I was here. Awesome. Okay. So where can people find you? I already told them to go follow Birds Papaya, but we're telling you again. Yeah. Birds Papaya on Instagram. That's kind of my wheelhouse. I do have a blog as well. Um, That's a little bit of an extension accessory to my Instagram. If you really want to get in the nitty gritty, you can find my Facebook group, which is the Birds Papaya Insider Squad. That's more like community-based conversations and like what kind of bodysuits we found online that day. But yeah, Instagram, that's that's where you'll find me. Awesome, guys. Okay, make sure you're going to follow that feed and uh, I will uh, talk to you guys in the next episode. 
Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.